Here they come up. One timeout, they don't take it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All the Years, a podcast where we relive some of the greatest March moments with the very people who created them. My name is Russell Steinberg. If you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to Valparaiso legend Bryce Drew take us through Pacer and what it was like to hit one of the most famous shots in the history of the NCAA tournament. Also, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash alltheyearspod to sign up. Shout out to our Final Four and National Championship level patrons, Chris, Gale, and Andrew. Today we welcome one of March Madness's more recent heroes. In 2018, Dante Ingram hit a three in the first round of the tournament to lift Loyola University Chicago over Miami. Not only was it a thrilling end to a great game, but it set off a magical run for the Ramblers that took them all the way to the Final Four. Ingram takes me through that game and the ones that followed, culminating in one of the most improbable trips to the Final Four ever. As always, if you haven't subscribed to all the years already, be sure to do so. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Please rate and review us as well. And for now, sit back and enjoy Dante Ingram reliving his one shining moment. When I do this, like I like to take a real big step back and talk about, you know, your season as a whole and what came before it and all that. But really, since this shot you hit in the first round was kind of the beginning of what what ended up being a, a remarkable NCAA tournament run, figured it would start a little bit later. And one thing that I remember uh, from that season, the 2018 season, is that we all knew that Loyola was good. You guys had a really good team. But I know that going into the uh, Missouri Valley tournament, there was really no guarantee that you guys would get into the NCAA tournament unless you won it. Did did you feel like you guys had done enough to that point to be included? Uh, I think that, you know, when you talk about a school like us, um, you know, playing the Missouri Valley, um, unless you get, you know, a lot of preseason ranked teams, um, and win those games to 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 boost you know your your resume. Um, we knew that you know we had the you know top five win against Florida, but you know as you said, we kind of had that feeling as well that you know hey, even though we feel like we're a, a really good team and deserving you know to be in and get automatic bid, we also understood that you know uh, you know how to, how the way things worked. Um, so going into it, we were like you know we don't want to leave it up to, to anybody else to decide if we should be in. So that gave us even more motivation uh, to go in and take care of business. So, Yeah, for, for sure. Um, w- one thing you guys had going for you as well, I think, is that you didn't really have any glaring, terrible losses like maybe some of the other bubble teams from mid-majors in recent years might have had. You had that win against Florida. And the Valley was... You know, it wasn't the best year the Valley ever had by any any stretch, but but it was solid. You had beaten Northern Iowa, uh, good win at a good Illinois State team. Did you guys feel like you had done enough, or were you really not sure? Um, we felt like we had done enough. Um, you know, we I think the one bad loss we did have um, was at Boise State. You know, we had like I think we had like three games mm-hmm. in a week, pretty much, and we had a we just weren't you know ourselves that game. And that was probably our worst game of the season. But, you know, other than that loss to Boise State, we felt like we really proved ourselves 
Um, we also had a couple injuries, but you know, when we looked at our record and we finally got everybody back and we had everybody on board and had a fourth team, we were undefeated. Um, so we knew that, right. you know, that we were very, very capable of getting an automatic bid. And we thought that we did deserve it, but you know, like, like I said, we didn't want to chance that and leave it up for the committee to decide. So we went ahead and stamped it ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You guys end up winning, uh, Valley Tournament uh, beat Northern Iowa, Bradley, and Illinois State along the way. You end up making the NCAA Tournament as an 11 seed. And kind of another little thing that I remember about the week leading up to the first round is that you guys ended up being a really popular upset pick uh, before that game started. Were you paying attention to the to the noise about that, or what? What were people saying about the potential you guys had to go on a run? Uh, I didn't really. We didn't really want to pay much attention to it. You know, our our coach, uh, you know, uh, Porter Moser, and the staff. Um, those guys did a really good job of, you know, letting us know that we needed to block out the outside noise, um, knowing that, you know us getting to the tournament in a while um, that we were going to be the underdog and that there weren't going to be a lot of people, you know, rooting for us. But, you know, if you get too caught up in that outside noise and everybody else's opinion, then that's that's taken away from that laser-like focus that we needed. So they did a really good job of that. So I don't think guys were really uh, worried about that. So I think we did a really good job of staying together and staying locked in. Yeah, and, you know, the – the Valley plays its tournament early, plays like that week before the like power conferences go. So you had a long layoff between that championship game and, and the Miami game. How did um how did Porter Moser keep you guys focused and what what was that like having to wait so long? Uh, you know, for us, like you said, obviously we got that you know, extra week because we played early because the SEC tournament is played in the same building the following week. We had that, we took right. that week to kind of, you know, go back. Obviously we were, we were happy and, you know, we got to celebrate. We had a selection Sunday and everything, but we kind of just, you know, stayed sharp mentally, you know, we, we celebrated, but then we became quickly focused on uh, what was to come. You know, we got in the gym, we had practice um, and we kind of took that week to focus on ourselves um, and, you know, game plan and work on things that we wanted to tweak and get better at uh, before we had to the following week focus on an opponent. So I think that time was really beneficial because we got to get better uh, individually and collectively and, you know, just continue to, you know, stay sharp in certain areas uh, with our own personal game plan. And then obviously that following week, that's when we got to lock into an opponent. So we felt like we already had a head start. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And you said a, a minute ago that when you had your team fully healthy, you, you were pretty confident in what you guys were able to do. What was it about the makeup of that team that made them such a good candidate to make a run in the tournament? I think that we we really uh, we really bonded. I think that year, that summer, um, when we got that group of guys in, that we we really knew that um, we could have something special. I think that the, the culture kind of shifted even more. You know, Puerto Rico did a really good job of changing the culture each year that I was there. But I think that my senior summer, you know, the group of guys that we had, 
we always felt like we were right there on the cusp of doing something really good. Because you look back to my junior year, I think when I said we were about 18 and 14, 19 and 14, um, over 10 of those games were lost by one point, uh, two points uh, within the last minute. And we knew we had to make up and build to do something special. If we could just, you know, lock in and, and, and focus on a winning culture and finishing a game with full 40 minutes. Um, so when that group got together, I think that we really bought into the team bonding, getting the chemistry right. And I think it really flowed onto the court. You know, everybody just became hungry and, and eager to learn more and win. And, you know, once we got that feeling of winning, it was like we didn't look back and we were addicted to it. And guys were just really, really bought in. And the pieces that we had just all fit together so great. Um, and it was just a really fun time. And, and you guys were also one of the best uh, defensive teams in the country as well. You ranked in the top 20 in defensive efficiency. And usually that's a sign of a team that is either very experienced or just plays very well together. Can you speak at all to your identity uh, defensively? Oh, for sure. Um, our identity was something that Porter was always trying to um, – trying to, you know, make sure that we knew it was very important that we had an identity. Um, in the past years before that, you know, we knew we were a very talented team, could score, but our identity, he really preached us that it needed to be defense. Uh, he always put out statistics, and it never failed at all. Um, each year, the top three teams in the Valley are uh, one, two, and three top defensive teams, have the top defenses. So that alone let us know that, hey, like this is something that we really need to buy into and make our identity. Because if we're at the top of the league in defense, we're going to be right there at the top of the league uh, as a whole. So I think him preaching that really got across to us because that statistic never uh, failed um, with him showing us that. So I think that team really bought into playing team team defense. A guy get beat, had it back, but also knowing that, you know, individually you don't want to let your teammates down. So. We really bought into that identity, and it took us a long way. Yeah, that that's that's a good point, and it does seem like you know the the valley is it's such a gauntlet every year. There's always like the teams at in the top half are always teams that are capable of kind of playing right up there with anybody. And I know it's not you know the ACC, the SEC, or or whatever, but it's a tough league to play in. And when you guys get to the tournament, you know I know you're an 11 seed going up against a six. Did you feel like you were kind of on the same level as, as a Miami would be? Oh yeah, for sure. We did. Um, like I said, we knew that we were a really good team. Um, so for us, uh, we never really got into looking at the names on the jerseys. Um, we, we kind of just felt like we could play with anybody and we were one of the best teams in the country. That's how we truly felt. So, you know, going out there and going into the tournament, being the underdog to a lot of people, we didn't see ourselves as underdog. We seen ourselves as one of the top teams in the country. So um, going out there, that's the mindset we had. And, you know, that kind of just added on to the motivation that, you know, hey, these people see us as this, but we know that we can play uh, with anybody. Um, so that just added on to, you know, how much we wanted it. And, you know, it was just fun. Like we were really excited and looking forward to it. Versus a lot of teams kind of, I feel like, go into it just happy to be there, that they made the tournament. Mm-hmm. But, like, we had a different mindset. Like, we're here to make noise. We don't really care about being, you know, first round. We get there and we lose. We really had something to prove. So that's, I think, is what separated us from a lot of teams. 
Yeah, and and you showed it right away in that Miami game. You guys led for a lot of that first half, or it was, you know, a, a close game, um, pretty much throughout the first twenty minutes. Then in you know in the second half, pretty early on, Miami goes on a run. They take a seven point lead, and they keep it there for a little bit. Did did it ever feel like the game was getting away from you? Oh no, we have been in that position a lot of times. Um, we were on the other end of that stick. Uh, like I said, my junior year, yep. we had a lot of games where we were winning or be up, and it come down to those close games, but we didn't finish the full 40 minutes. So that was something we always, all season, knew to just stay stay focused and stick with the game plan and understand that it's a full, full, you know, 40-minute game. Um, there's a, You see teams all the time um, getting excited and getting comfortable with leads, and they can either run away with that lead because the other team folds and gives in, or they can kind of get, you know, a little comfortable and the other team, you know, stays with it, sticks with it, understanding it's a full 40-minute game. And that's the kind of team we were that we, we knew up until the last second that our identity was defense, which would keep us in the game, and that we would eventually make a push. So, Yeah, and, and you guys did. And, you know, as much as you talk about – you know, playing in all of those close games and being able to finish them out. You know, my, Miami was eight and one coming into that game and games decided by five points or less. I mean, they were able to handle that as well. Do you, how do you think they were able to handle the pressure of kind of being the favorite uh, down the stretch in that game and trying to hold you guys off? Uh, I mean, those guys are in a tough conference and, you know, they, 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 were a, a really good team, just as we were. You know, they had pros on that team um, and high-level players that, you know, were in a conference where there's already a lot of pressure being in that conference to where on the night-to-night basis they have to show up and compete. So, you know, for them being, you know, in the ACC um, each night, you know, they, they have that kind of pressure. And I don't even look at it as pressure. I don't think a lot of players look at it, but they have a level of expectation that, that people – you know, put on them and that they put on themselves to come in and play. So I think that, you know, obviously, you know, then the year they had, they did a good job of that. And we were just another team that did a good job of it as well. And when the, when you have a game where someone hits, you know, a buzzer beater, makes a big play at the end or, or whatever, there's always like two or three plays before it that, that set the whole thing up. And, and one of them with about a minute to go, um, Clayton Custer hits a three. Mm-hmm. off of uh, a screen from Crutwig that brought you guys all the way back. Uh, can you kind of take me through that play from your point of view and just how big of a shot was that? Um, it was a really big shot. And it was a, it was a, a play that we uh, drew up and that we went over and practiced a lot. Uh, a back-end hammer play is what it was. Um, you get a guard post up and get some action and, uh, it ends up being a baseline hammer screen. So uh, we either run it for me or for Ben or for Marcus, any the guy that we at the time was comfortable with making that pass. Uh, it's like it's, it's something that we kind of perfected, you know, over the season and in practice. Coach, did, Coach Porter uh, did a really good job of uh, putting us in in-game situations, you know, last two minutes, last five minutes, uh, 30 seconds down three or, you know what I'm saying? We always practice those situations. When yeah. we got in that moment, it was nothing new to us. And we were very comfortable in that situation. Now then on, you know, on, on the other hand, you have uh, a moment later, a 
Crutwig and Towns both have a chance to maybe win the game. They both miss uh, close looks, and then uh, Miami gets the rebound, and that's where the fouls committed. How deflating was that to see two close looks almost go your way? Or is that in your mind at all that maybe you guys just gave the game away? Uh, no, we didn't feel like we gave the game away. We, we, like I said, we were a resilient team and we knew that we always uh, were going to stay together and stay with it. You know, there was obviously times in the game where each individual was upset, you know, thinking about things they could have done better. Like I had previously just missed a free throw myself in a one-on-one situation that could have tied the game. Um, but kind of an X-play mentality is something that Porter always preached. So we kind of would. You know, we, obviously with emotion, you'd be frustrated, but we always did a good job of putting it behind us and focusing on the next play because you don't want it to, you know, be a domino effect and roll over into the uh, upcoming plays. So I think that was where everybody's mindset was, you know, and, and staying ready yeah. for the next moment. Yeah, and, you know, the, you end up getting your moment and we'll get there now, I guess. Um, Miami ends up missing... Um, missing a free throw and the ball it felt like bounced on the rim about 30 times uh before finally uh you guys came down with it set up that final play did did you know what that last play of the game was going to be or what what was drawn up there um we had a we had a like I said we always practiced um moments uh in mm-hmm. the game um in practice with situations like that and we we had a call for it, and we had a situation where if we were down by one or two points, if we needed to, whether it's a two or a three, we're going right into attack mode. And in that time, coach decided not to call a timeout. So we already knew that, you know, we want to fill the gaps, fill the lanes, uh, have some, some good spacing, and also putting pressure on the defense with a push, as Marcus Towns did. Um, so that was our mindset. So we already knew what to go to, so we weren't confused. Um, and for me, in that position that I was in, I was the trail, uh, and I was just in the right spot uh, to make that play. But it, like you've seen with the tournament, it could have been any of us. Um, you know, you see Clay hit big shots, uh, Marcus, um, Ben Richardson, Cam, Andre Jackson, and all those guys. It could have been any of us, but we did a good job of so much playing together that, you know, that we all had confidence in each other that if the opportunity came up that we would take advantage of it. Yeah, and you, you get your opportunity. As as you said, you were the trailer. You end up catching the ball pretty much dead on, but you're really far out. Were, were you aware of where you were on the court, or you knew that you had to get that shot up? Yeah, so I knew the defense would kind of be uh, sucked in and uh, in tight quarters, not one to allow a drive. So for me, I kind of timed it up from with the stop around NBA range. Because I knew that would give me that would mm-hmm. give me the most space to get off a clean shot and not want to, you know, run too close in and kind of mess up the spacing. So I had already told myself that instead of sprinting right to the college line, and I was going to sprint to the NBA line to give myself some separation. Um, so that was my that was my thought process going into it. So I was like, you know, ready and expecting to get a clean look off. What goes through your head when you make a shot like that? When you see the ball go through the net? Um, it's just like a crazy feeling, you know, because you grow up, you seeing, 
um, those moments in the tournament, the one shining moments. So, you know, to put yourself in that situation and be in that moment, it's kind of surreal. You can't really explain it in that moment. It's just like a this unexplainable level of excitement and, you know, and and joy and just being happy in that moment with your teammates is, is just, you know, something that you don't forget. And, and you, you hit that shot and you have that moment and then – all of a sudden, they have to put more time back on the clock now. They put it back up to 0.3. How do you go from the euphoria of hitting that shot to then realizing that the game isn't over? You have to defend uh, one more time to keep Miami from getting a shot off. Uh, we, we knew that it was in a situation where, you know, with 0.2, 0.3 on the clock, that, you know, for them to get any shot up, it would have to be, you know, a, 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 a mental error on our end. Uh, so just locking in and, you know, making sure we don't fall for any out-of-bounds, okey-doke, to where they draw a foul and get the ball back in the free throw. Um, you know, just making sure that, you know, we were on our, you know, P's and Q's, uh, not making any mistakes. And we knew that if we did that just for, you know, literally less than half a second, we'd be just fine. So our thought was, okay, let's not make any errors, mental errors, and beat ourselves here. We'll be just fine. And, you know, you, you could talk about it in, in the timeouts, but you, you were the one who actually had to defend that inbounds, right? Mm-hmm. And you had to make sure not to commit the foul because that's what they were trying to go for. They had a guy come over to try to set the screen and have you run into him and maybe commit a foul. How is it hard for you to, um, I guess, keep that in mind while also trying to, you know, disrupt the inbounds pass there? Well, that was something that we had went over, uh, you know, during our time that they had our little team timeout with fixing the clock. You know, uh, the coaching staff did a good job of, you know, throwing out all the different scenarios and what they would probably be going for. So I was already prepared for that going into it um, because they did a good job of that. So, you know, for me, I knew that if if, if I'm aware for that, if if I'm looking out for that, that – you know, their 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 options, that was their number one option to try to draw that foul. So if I take away that number one option, they got to go for a Hail Mary, which we were very, you know, ready for. So that's all that was going through my mind. I was well prepared for it because of the coaching staff. Sure. So then, you know, you guys actually do end up winning the game, um, get off the court. It was an afternoon game, if I remember correctly. Uh, afterwards, I I can't even imagine what your phone must have just been blowing up at, at that point. By the time you got back to the locker room, oh yeah, for sure, man. It was it was one of those things where you can't really get back to everybody. You can't keep up with all the notifications and things that you're getting, you know. But as I said, the coaching staff and did a did a really good job of you know. Uh, keeping that mindset of blocking out the outside noise and not getting caught up in all that attention that's coming with that success. Um, so we did a really good job of blocking that stuff out. And we, not to take away from enjoying the moment, we did that, but we didn't get too caught up in, you know, all the outside stuff that was going on because we had a focus of, you know, winning the championship. So that our, our focus was to, you know, lock in. You know, we got that win. We'll enjoy that. But, you know, Shortly after, we're worried about, you know, who's next, what we got next, what we got to lock into, what game plan is it. So that's how we were thinking. Yeah, yeah. And you have to face a really good Tennessee team 
uh, right after that. And it's another game where, you know, uh, you have a player who hits a game winner with uh, Custer in, in that one. And yeah, when you have two thrilling games like that against two, you know, really top tier teams, I mean, how do you feel? You guys must have felt invincible at that point. Oh, we didn't feel like invincible. We are obviously always very confident um, because the next game, you got to think about it, understanding, like I said, it's a full 40 minute game. Uh, we were on the other end of it, other stick. We got some separation in that right. second half. I want to say we got about, about what, eight or nine? Um, and yeah, we understood that, look, this game isn't over. They may make a run, but we got to stick with it and, and be ready for any situation that we're put in. So, you know, they made their run, you know, Schofield, Adam Sco, Admiral Schofield, um, Grant Williams, and those other guys, Jordan Bone. Um, those guys got to making plays. And we had to respond and stick with it and not let ourselves get carried away. Um, and obviously, you know, a, a great bounce that, that Clay got. And then they even got a, a look up. But, you know, just understanding that, hey, you, we could be on either end of the stick. We can have a lead and lose it, or we can be back and stay with it and come back. Because obviously a team like Tennessee with those guys, uh, they're not going to quit. They're not going to stop fighting. So, you know, obviously we were fortunate to come out on the winning end of that. But, you know, at that time we were very aware that, hey, anything can happen, but we got to stick with it, stay together, and just be ready for, you know, whatever's thrown at us. Yeah, and you, you said a couple of times how how good Porter was at kind of helping you guys keep your focus and, and block out the noise. But, you know, by this point, winning two games like that, I mean, you're you're the talk of the tournament, and you know it's it's even it's before the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight games even get to this point, and you have a whole week now before the Sweet Sixteen. How how did you guys manage that week and, and go about preparing for Nevada with, you know, all all the talk around you guys? No, it's tough. It's it's tough. Uh, it's fun. It's very challenging though, because you know you can't really turn the channel any sports right. channels or news without seeing us. Um, can't really scroll on Twitter, Instagram, anything without seeing us. Um, because obviously that's what comes with it. You know, you're going back to Chicago uh, for a couple of days in between uh, cities, parades and, and all these things, you know, it's tough uh, uh, to stay sharp. But we knew that, hey, this is going to be something that comes with it. We are making people proud. We are, you know, really, really the talk of a lot of things with the tournament. But we we, we can't get carried away in that stuff because we still have something to prove to ourselves. And honestly, with that, we're going to be proving, you know, stuff to others. Because I think the big, the chip that we had on our shoulder was that, you know, a lot of these dudes think that this is a, you know, this is a fluke. Like we just, uh, you know we getting lucky with these games or that we are, you know, just some Cinderella team. You know, that, that's the thing, playing the Cinderella team, which I understand from right. other perspectives. But for us, we like, look, this ain't no Cinderella. Like, we are a good team. Like, we can we can ball with anybody. So, you know, that was our mindset. And I think that's what kind of gave us the edge is that we really had something to prove uh, to people to let them know that we weren't just some lucky team. Like, we were a legit you know what I'm saying? Ball club. And that was just our mindset. Yeah. And I, I think something that maybe played into the kind of Cinderella story that that was crafted around you guys that year is, uh, 
you know, Sister Jean is the celebrity of the tournament all of a sudden. And she's just this great story kind of developing alongside you guys pulling off these these close wins. What, what do you remember from her during that tournament run that maybe wasn't shown, you know, on the cameras 24 hours a day? What, what was she saying to you guys? Uh, I think uh, uh, there's a lot of us, Gina, the cameras, obviously they have a hold of it now because she blew up, you know, became right. number one bobblehead, you know, so much more. Um, she was somebody that had been there uh, for years, you know, for the team. Before every single game, she's saying prayers with the team. She's almost like another assistant coach. She gives scouting reports on players and who to look out for. Um, and after the game, she always sent us uh, team emails and personal emails um, to each player, you know, good, whether good game or bad game. You know, keep your head up. Dante, you really, in you know, different ways help this team win tonight or you'll bounce back or you did a great job. You had the team on your back. Like she was really uh, in tune and engaged with the team, you know, for years and, you know, she's, you know, made me feel better about games that I've had and uh, good or bad. Um, and another thing that they didn't notice is that, you know, Sister Jean, she's 100 now, but uh, mm-hmm. she had an injury right before the tournament that put her in a wheelchair. But before that injury, you know, she was walking around just fine, active, kind of running things on campus in the community. And she was very well active. She wasn't, you know, in a wheelchair and disabled. Um, as she became, but she was just great, you know, beautiful, bright aura that really had a, a, a positive effect on a lot of people around the city of Chicago. Uh, do you remember uh, what she said to you with an email or, or in person after that Miami game? Um, she sent that email out and I remember it. I don't remember, you know, verbatim, but it was pretty much so the way she did it was, she sends the whole email, the same exact email about the great team win and everything. And then at the very bottom of it, it'll say, Dante, you did great tonight. Um, that was a really huge shot. Uh, words can't describe how excited I was in that moment for you all. And you 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 really came through for us. And that's I'm, I'm so proud of you. You know, someone at, at the bottom of the email. So that's, that yeah. was the... That was how that email was, but like that's how she sent them all out for for each and every player right on down the line. Whether you were starting playing in the game, not playing, she always let you know what you were bringing to the table. So that that had to mean a lot to you then to oh, for to sure. read that. Yeah, for sure, man. Hundred percent meant a lot, man. She's great. So you guys ended up, you know, you, you talked about it earlier. You played a, a Nevada team where you were able to have a have a lead in that game and then you know, Nevada kind of made that run at, at the end to make it a, a one point game. What, what do you remember of the, the challenges that that team presented? Cause that was a really good Nevada team as well. Yeah. That team was dangerous, man. You, you, you look at, um, in my opinion, they probably were uh, top three um, most gifted offensive team in the country. You look at the Martin twins. Yeah. Um, they had uh they had Jordan. Jordan uh that I played against. I grew up playing with him in middle school, we played the same AU team. He was another great piece for them. They had the 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 school's 
leading three-point shooter in history who did it in less than four years. Um, they had a, a, a lot of pieces that really went well together, um, and they all complemented each other very well. So that was a very dangerous team uh, with, with the, the amount of pro-level scores that they had. You know, so, you know, going into it, it was very definitely challenging um, to be able to lock into those guys for 40 minutes because we knew it was going to be a team effort and playing together and being there for each other and stepping up to the occasion. So, I mean, that was a really tough game uh, to to get ready for. And, you know, obviously it's a lot of fun once you get out there and everything, but you also obviously have respect for who you're going against and understanding what problems they could present. So. That was definitely a very challenging game that, you know, we were looking forward to, but we knew, you know, what was at stake and the the level that they were going to come with. So, Yeah, and, and then going into the, the regional final now, you know, you guys are a win away from the final four, and the top three seeds in your region uh, had already been taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- was it hard to kind of grasp in in that moment that you guys were one win away from going to the final four? I mean, that has to be unreal. Uh, obviously, you know, after that Sweet Sixteen win, it's like, damn, we you know we won one more game. We're in the, we're at San Antonio, uh, but there was so much that we were focused on getting there. Like even during the game, like guys weren't on the bench saying like we about to go to the final four, like. Even in that second half with separation, like we were so focused on like, look, let's until this buzzer go off, we are not gonna celebrate or be happy about the idea that we can get to the final four because we were so locked into that. Um, and to be honest with you, a lot of us, you know, after we won in Nevada game, we were thinking about who we had next, and like we all thought we were gonna be playing Kentucky. That's really what we thought. We we were getting ready for Kentucky. Um, and being prepared for that and being excited about that matchup. Um, but then obviously turning into the game, you know, we've seen K-State, you know, pull it off in those guys uh, playing a spectacular game, and our minds have kind of shifted again. Um, but, you know, knowing that we were that close to being one of the Final Four teams standing and winning that region was something, you know, for sure that, we became excited about, but we weren't thinking about it too heavy after that win. When you do actually get to the final four, you know, that's 2018. I mean, you know, you have Michigan there, you've got Villanova there, you've got you guys. And it is, is, was it kind of a weird dynamic then being there as loyal as Chicago and not, you know, one of the traditional powers? Was that, what what was that dynamic like in San Antonio? Um, it was fun, you know. You get there, and a lot of those those guys, you know, know you know what's up at that point. That okay, this is a legit team, you know. For even for the teams that thought that oh, you know, they're gonna lose next round, they're gonna lose next round. Um, you know, to get to that point, uh, there's obviously going to be a mutual respect for all four teams there, and understanding what they had to go through to get to that point. Uh, it's no joke, you know what I'm saying? So that was their level of respect there. It was kind of fun, you know, and we didn't look at it as a, a weird dynamic. It was just something exciting and to, to you know, to get that full experience and, and to be there with, you know, historically great teams and programs was just a blessing, so. Yeah, and, you know, even if you, if, it, if it's not something you're thinking about at, at the time, you know, 
your run to the final four is like one of the great stories in college basketball and at least in recent history have you thought at all about how if you don't hit your shot in the first round that entire run doesn't happen like exactly what it is that you set up oh for sure I mean obviously that's something like man like that that one play um it comes down to that to to that play um if I miss that shot we could easily be at home right now losing that game to Miami um then the next round, oh, if that shot don't drop, you know, we could be at home. So it's you know it's something that, you know, obviously we thought about, but we we quickly, you know, forgot about those things because we were so focused on what was to come next. Yeah, and you know the the entire time you've got seems like America on your side, and I know even you know President Obama was was tweeting about you guys. But when you hear stuff like that. Uh, what what does that mean to you to know all of the support that you guys had throughout that run? Oh, it's big, you know, to to get that support um, from the city of Chicago, and then obviously all across the across the country. Um, you start to see how many people that are taking notice, and how many people that you've made proud. You know, people from the city of Chicago, like uh, President Obama, and other people. Um, and just just seeing how proud of us, you know, people were, and you know, giving people something to root for, and and be behind, you know, was obviously a an honor for us, and it was kind of you know just crazy to see that these people that hey like we've put the world on notice, and these people are recognizing, and they're 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 seeing the you know the the high level that we're playing at, and you know it was appreciated so. That was for sure something that was very exciting, you know, during that time, seeing that support that we were getting from those people. For sure. I, I think that's a, uh, a great note to wrap up on. I want to thank you for uh, for doing this with me. This was a, a lot of fun to think back to what was a, a really fun tournament run for you guys. No problem, man. Appreciate you and your time, too. Once again, a big thank you to Dante Ingram for joining us. If you want to hear content from this podcast that did not make the final cut, Please support us on Patreon for some deleted extras and additional perks. Again, that is patreon.com slash alltheyearspod. Also remember to subscribe, rate, and review the pod if you have a moment. Either way, we hope to see you back here next week when we welcome our first head coach, Kathy Delaney-Smith. You might remember her as the one who led 16-seed Harvard to that improbable upset over top-seeded Stanford in 1998. Until then, I'm Russell Steinberg. Have a great week.